Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without creating division and community. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher. I'm the care pastor here at Hill City, where we record this and every episode of the podcast. And I am here with my co-hosts, the Wagglers, both yes. John and Lacey. Hello. What if it was chairs Nivea, this time. If it was Nivea and Max. <laughs> <laughs> we should do that one time. That would be fun. So what's like hip with you guys, teens? Um, I am here with both John and Lacey Waggler, and today we are going to talk about men. Dum, dum, dum. Men, 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 men. Men, men, men. Um, and... Before we get into that, though, how are you guys doing? Your your house is being torn apart as we speak. Yeah, I feel like I'm not necessarily worried about anything, but I do feel a lot of stress lately. <laughs> you want to know how you know that Lacey is worried about something? <laughs> she opens with, I'm not worried per se. <laughs> like, there's nothing that I'm, I'm really not, like, worried. It's going to be it's okay. It's just there is stress. Sure, sure. Because we had a sewer pipe situation that flooded our house, and yeah. so now... We're essentially moving out, but living there, and people are ripping up all of our flooring and Bathroom all that. And, and yeah. yeah. So, so if somebody says, how are things, and you respond, crappy, literally. Yes. Yeah. And sewer is involved. Very crappy situation. I'm so sorry, you guys. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I it's okay. It. It's life. And Here's the positive, I'm thankful though. there are people that know how to fix it. There you go. Yeah. I mean, that's great. And listen, we've owned a home for 21 years, and not the same home, but we've been in the home ownership biz for 21 years and this is our first like insurance claim wow yeah boy you really saved up your points for a big one (laughs) your punch punch card but that is the thing right you're just like just yes it's annoying and all of that stuff and we don't have like a space to just relax for a few weeks but like at the same time it's like man for 21 years Hey, we we're all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. So, Gratefulness. Yeah. Gratefulness is a good response. Yep. Um, really makes me uh, put into perspective that my refrigerator being a little stinky is not that big of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, today, like I said, we are going to talk a little bit about men. And every time I say it, I'm going to say it like that. Um, we're basically going to be kind of responding to the sermon from... Or the message. Sorry. I would say sermon. I say things like sermon, narthex, uh, (laughs) congregation. Church lingo. Church lingo that I love. Um, From yesterday, which would have been Sunday the 6th of March, Mm -hmm. uh, if you're listening to this in the future. Time is weird in podcast world. Um, And generally, we try to talk about, like, you know, uh, things that apply to folks both in and outside of our community. And this definitely will. But if you want more context, you can um, check out that message at hillcityrva.com. Again, it's the most recent message in our series. It's the one from March 6th. Uh, You can also uh, listen to it on podcast form at um, if you just search Hill City RVA in your podcast app. That will come up. But I'm willing to bet that our conversation today will make sense even if you hadn't heard this. Yeah, I think so. Um, But before we get into that, we are going to do our new segment for 2022, where we talk about things that are getting on our nerves a little bit. It's called Stay Furious. Stay Furious. Lacey, we're going to start with you. I feel like you've always got something teed up. It's always the cheeriest person that's got the the thing teed up. Well, I do have a running list, but actually I thought of a new one just earlier when we were chatting because Matt was 
working on the microphones and started making gross mouth noises in the microphone. And it reminded me how furious mouth noises make me. Does it really like trigger you right into rage? Like it skips over annoyance? Right no, it does. Like, yeah, it that's a real does. thing. That's yeah. like a thing. And specifically um, people in my family eating cereal and the mouth noises that go along with that. Like I, I think back to my childhood and being mad at my brother and my mom for the way they ate cereal. And I would like yell at them in the morning. There's a This is a diagnosable thing, you know. No. It's called misophonia. Nah. Yeah, it's a real thing. Like n- mouth noises make you angry. It's very specific. <laughs> so I think I have that. Yeah, it's a real thing. Yeah. Um, so and then I live it out with my own children too. So <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's okay. Um, it's, yeah, it continues to be a thing in my life, but it's okay. That's I'll carry this, on. this isn't like a great like parenting technique, but like at one point. I remember our daughter Nevea was she was eating cereal and like I just looked at her and I was like, Are you some kind of animal? Uh, that, that's not the right thing to say. It just know. like I, it was just so much and yeah. I felt bad after I said it. But it was still like enraging. Yeah, it was how, an accurate description. Yeah. yeah. But you that's know, fair. Sometimes teenage girls are more oh, man. Yeah, than teenage boys. You know, like yeah. I feel like teenage boys have the rap of being, you know gross. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, kids are gross. Yeah. I like found I just find trash around the house, like <laughs> like popcorn. Yeah. I'm like, who is littering in yeah. our own house? In our house, yeah. you wouldn't do this in our yard, but you do it right. inside the living room. Yep. Or like, yeah, it's like, why are there two pairs of socks there? Yeah, like you had to literally like almost throw them in that direction because yeah. there's no other reason for those two pairs of socks. This is making feel me like... feel good that it's not just my kids. I feel like we're like now have we have transformed into John Stay Furious. I don't know if that know. was what Uh-oh. you're is planning on saying, but no. the socks, the socks are socks are his his thing. I once um because Nevea was an offender a lot, and um, this was like a few years ago. I I just couldn't handle it anymore. And she wasn't nothing was working and like getting her attention. So the, one day I was like. I made her put her socks in her mouth and walk back to her room. People are going to want to like buy Nevaeh things after this podcast. Yeah. Which is, she's, fine. <laughs> she's fine. She's uh, fine. I thought you were going to say you like super glued him to her feet or something <laughs> like that. Oh, man. So socks, furiosity. That, yeah, that was. A socks, furiosity. Chewing. We have. We don't even need to call it a furiosity. We have an actual yeah, misophonia. Yeah. It's a real thing. Um. I think I was going to bring this up a little while ago, um, but and I decided not to, but I am anyway, but I'll make it a little more vague. I have started to get agitated because like I get it that I look a certain way and I come off a certain way and I'm very self-conscious about being like the, oh, I'm not like a regular pastor. I'm a cool pastor. You know, (laughs) I hate that. Like I don't want to be that way ever. I never want to come off that way. It agitates me so much when people assume my position at the church. Like, oh, so you're the worship leader? Or like, oh, you're the youth pastor? Not that those are bad positions. Those are great positions. But I get so agitated when people – it's almost like it's cool if you do it in your head, but ask me. Like, I understand that you don't expect the care pastor to look the way that I look or or whatever. I get it. 100% get it. But don't assume. That's like, you know – I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, that's allowed. Yeah. That's like assume. I don't know. That's like assuming that like it's in the same way that if, if it was like, well, one of us is a stay at home parent and you assumed it was the mom. I get it. But like, sure. Ask. Sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like when we started Hill City, I mean, everyone oh, yeah. assumed Who's the I, was yeah, the, the I was the admin. Yeah. It no. wasn't it wasn't yeah. just that he was the head pastor. That's also that's a fair assumption. Yeah. Based on the fact that he 
preaches right. a ton, but just that I was, right. you know, doing that, which again, great job. Yep. Just wasn't mine. Yeah. Like I don't even, sometimes people will kind of rudely respond when I say I'm the care pastor. I don't think they mean to be rude, but kind of like tersely will be like, well, what is that? I'm fine with that response. Like I'm, I'm never miffed at that. I'm always like, you know, that's a great question. Like you're going to find out one day. Yeah, that's right. You're going to find out. You wait till you're in the hospital. Um, but the, but the like, oh, okay. Oh, you work at the church. Cool. So are you the either? So usually worship leader or kids or not. I'm kids, surprised teens, people like, don't ask about the creative. Yeah. I, I think that probably if they're in the know of church, like, you know, I think that yeah. the common the common folks, I think, uh, just walk around thinking that, like, I don't know, you know, the website is done by volunteers yeah, or whatever out. or like hired yeah. out. Um, so I think that that even that because at least I could say, well, I used to be the creative. Right. Director. At least <laughs> yeah. there's some like truth in that. But the the like. I don't know. The other ones. It gets me. It just gets me. I'm not saying I'm right. I should not be so furious. But this is your are. opportunity to. This is my yeah, opportunity this is why we to do. be furious. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, without further ado, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to um, jump right into chatting about um, men, masculinity, the role of men and women in the household, all of the um, scandalizing and, and uh, exciting things that you guys want to hear on the podcast right after this break. Y'all know we stay curious over here. Okay, and we're back. Um, we are today going to talk about and sort of respond to um, the message that John gave this past weekend on Ephesians 5. Mm-hmm. Um, John, give us a quick overview for those of us who maybe haven't heard the message or weren't there on Sunday or don't go to our church. Um what your sort of what is the um, the background on Ephesians five? Mm-hmm. Also for folks who maybe don't know their scripture, and also um, what your intent was and kind of the message you were trying to get across yesterday. Yeah, so the whole entire chapter uh, it really revolves around relationships. So um, it starts off talking about sexuality, um, works into what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit and how we respond to one another when we're filled with the Spirit. And then from there, because we are walking in Christ filled with the Spirit, we are able to mutually submit to one another and uh, out of reverence for our faith in Christ. And so um, that is the basis of the whole entire chapter. And then Paul begins to tap into some of the realities of this idea of the household codes, which were common in Greco-Roman culture. Everyone abided by them. And they were um, because they were they determined that if you messed up the household codes, then you messed up the entire culture. Mm. And so what people viewed the household codes as is essentially like a mini empire. So the empire itself was, you know, you have Caesar, you have the government, you have the wealthy, you have men, then it's women, children, and slaves. Well, within the in the home, the man is the the person that is responsible for everything. He's a protector. He's a provider. He's a decision maker, and um, and then everyone in the home is subordinate to him, mm-hmm. and so uh, in every way, shape, and form, like he can just do whatever yeah. he wants. Yeah. You know, basically, you don't question that part. And the idea is, is like when that order is there, everything functions the way that it should be. When you disrupt that order you're disrupting the way things should like kind of manifest itself out within a home and also within a community. And so when Paul begins to write about submission and also headship, he is tapping into um, some things that would have gone directly against the prevailing thought of what it means to be in a home. Mm-hmm. And so um, what I find the most interesting of what Paul actually does is he doesn't actually create 
a new framework for people to live in. He he says, no, keep living in this structure. This is it's, it's actually what's fascinating because sometimes we're like, let's blow this whole thing up, you yeah. know? And it's like, that's not what Paul actually does. What he says is, let's live within this structure. But the way that we live within this structure is so different because of what Jesus has done that people will eventually begin to question the structure. And so he's not trying to come in because people aren't necessarily ready to flip the structure. You know, it, we can do this modern day. It's like when people are like, let's let's blow up capitalism or whatever. Not that anyone would I'm ever sitting say right that. Here, John. <laughs> that would never happen. But like, let's blow up the economic system. It's yeah. like, no, you don't necessarily have to do that. What you can do is create a whole different framework of how we begin to live within a structure that eventually what ends up happening is people see, oh, hold on a second. This structure is completely flawed. And so that's what Paul is actually pushing people to. Because a lot of times people be like, well, Paul, Paul never said he's anti-slavery. And it's like, it's bigger than that. He, there, there is some level where you can see he would eventually probably gotten there and said that had he been alive long enough and everything. Um, but the way that he talked about slave and master was so revolutionary that it would have flipped the entire system upside down. And so, but yet he provided space for people who just weren't ready yet. You know, that we're just like, this is all we know. What do you mean? I can't. This is not the way our home is supposed to be. He's like, no, no, no. Let's like live in such a way that it's like, oh, actually, that's way, that's infinitely better. And so that's what I think is really interesting about the chapter. Hmm. Um, so I'm going to read really quickly because we're kind of the, 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 it feels like the verses that are underneath all of this um, are. Ephesians 5, 22 through, what is it, 25, I think. This yeah, is the one where people, something yeah. gets taken out of context a yep. lot of the time. It's, it's kind of the crux of what you're saying. Yes. Um, I'll read it really quick. Uh, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. So this is like the sort of like... Um, can be cringy hot water yeah yeah cringy out of context yeah yeah um i guess really quick Lacey, for you growing up you know we talked on the podcast before about how you feel like and it plays out in your life that you've you grew up in a context that was just healthy with your faith like with the way the bible was presented to you with the church you went to and, and the way your parents were and everything like that for you as a woman growing up when you would hear that verse, how was it taught and how did you receive it um, in a way that sort of ultimately led you to co-pastoring a church rather than being like, oh, yeah, well, I'm supposed to submit? Sure. I mean, honestly, looking back, I think I've said this before, I see how that was taught and played out. Not that I remember like a specific sermon mm-hmm. kind of thing, but the structure that I grew up in. And it really was taught more like just how to read it plainly. Like, okay, yeah wives do submit to this like I kind of just knew that like you know my dad would be kind of be the like more final say type person or um like in the church that's the structure that was set up um but I wasn't it wasn't like a hey you can't do this because you know kind of thing but that's only probably because I just didn't make it there (laughs) of like asking that question of can I do this um so anyway I yeah, I think um, that submission piece, it was not a hard one for me because also I am just somebody that likes to obey the rules. Yeah. And I 
predominantly made good decisions and wanted to make everyone proud and um, have a lot of uh, a lot of Enneagram one in the mix yeah. in my personality style and stuff. And so because I thought that that was the right thing, then that was what I was going to be OK with. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I started kind of discovering some things about myself and like came to understand that I had gifts in leadership and I had things to offer yeah. um, that through John and I working together and doing ministry together, that just kind of developed naturally. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, like I do this. And so it wasn't like a giant shift in the way I think about theology. It was like a shift in just my own growth and faith that kind of landed at where we're at. So, again, for those who weren't there for the message, I guess the quickest way to get to where we're going before we go into deeper questions is for me to just kind of play devil's advocate, which we try not to do. But um, so I read those verses and I just think like, seems pretty cut and dry, John. Like you guys, um, you know, sure. the the man's supposed to be loving for sure. We're not advocating for any sort of um, dominance or abuse or anything like that. But it's pretty clear to me that like, if a man is loving, then the wife has to submit. What do we miss? What am I missing? Well, part of that is uh, what does submit actually entail? Um, one, a woman should never have to submit to anything that isn't of Christ, mm. you know. And and so the idea even of submission, I heard Andy Stanley say this years ago, and I thought it was like super helpful. He said the most practical way to think about submission from a scriptural standpoint is keep asking the question, "What can I do to help?" And so that when two people are mutually submitting to one another, I mean, husband and wife are called to do that, let's say, um, we are saying like we lace down will constantly kind of live in this, oh, what can I do to help mindset? And so I'm willing to place myself under submit to Lacey. She is in return out of reverence for Christ, willing to submit herself under, you know, what what's most helpful. And so we love, we honor, we respect, like that's part of our submission. And so, um, that is a, fr- on the front end, like that's like a huge piece of like understanding what the Bible is actually talking about with submission. And then the headship piece, which is, you know, what I talked a lot about, um, this past week is what does that word actually even mean? Mm-hmm. And that word that's used that Paul uses there and actually uses it in other, um, some of his other letters as well. It's never used for authority or leadership. There's a whole other word that can be classified as the head of something that is used for, for those ter- terminologies. So the when he's using it, it's like the source of something. Mm-hmm. And so um, even that, that reality, then all of a sudden, like it shifts the whole entire conversation in a different way that actually lends itself to being, there's this mutuality that ends up happening. Okay. So, oh, Lacey, did you have a thought? No. Um, so with that what i'm hearing you say again i'm playing devil's advocate yeah, yeah. um but what i'm hearing you say is like uh it, to me it sounds like n- there's no structure there's no it's like anarchy it's like you know familial <laughs> anarchy there's no so you're saying no patriarchy which you know a lot of us can get on board for but also warning against sort of switching it to matriarchy so like always the the wife yeah. always being in charge and, and the man always submitting and so without these two archies right there's anarchy (laughs) so like how do how in this system what does it look like for a marriage to not have assigned leadership like it seems like how does it not become just like the thing where you stop at a stop sign with somebody and you both are just like waving the other one to go and nobody goes nothing gets done yeah well i think when you truly love one another and 
create space for each other's giftings to be elevated. Um, when your household is based off of each other's giftings and not a gender role, that's when you see true love and true leadership come out where it should be. Mm-hmm. And so there are areas where I might take a little bit more of a leadership role within our family because that's more of where my gifting might be. Same thing for Lacey, you know, and so um, those things can shift and change in different ways. And so it's not about we're paralyzed with indecision because no one's leading the home. It's we are actually approaching this in a way that Christ loved us. And so we approach our home as like, no, we are together loving one another and serving one another in such a way that our gifts are being elevated so that where the person that needs to lead leads and that ultimately Christ is a leader of our home. Right. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting because whenever we read that stuff like that as people, we're just always asking, yeah, yeah, but like who's in charge? Right. Like who has the authority? Get to the point, right? Yeah. And, um, and so that's the tension that we have, that we have to live in there. Like he said, there are areas where different, each of us have, you know, kind of take more of a lead in things, but where there could be tension, where maybe we both feel like we have strong opinions or abilities to lead in an area. That's where like, you know, cause before verse 22, mm-hmm. it's like submit every, everybody's submitting to Christ. Yeah. And so that's who has the authority. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's like a hard, that's a hard thing for us as people. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when, you, when you're at an impasse and you both feel equally strong about a thing, then you turn to sort of, well, what does Christ think about this? Or what do we, you know, as we pray, how are we being led into this together? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there is no scripture in the Bible that says that the man is the decision maker of the home. Mm. Yeah. So it's like when, when we, and if we're at like an impasse, it's like, she doesn't sit there and be like, well, you're the man. It's like, but no. that is how I would have thought yeah. growing up. Okay, I I would have thought, um, again, whether just caught or taught to mm-hmm. me, um, I would have thought like, yeah, I can have a lot of say because he's like a good man and a good husband. I can have a lot of say in things because I'm a he's allowing me to. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you know, if there's a final say where we can't decide on something, then he's gonna make the call. But I've grown out of. Of believing that, and that's not how we <laughs> well, function. That's not that's how not we how ever we function. functioned. Yeah. But that's kind of what I was bringing into it. Well, let me give you like maybe two practical examples yeah. that might be helpful. So if if we're in a situation where maybe has something to do with finances, let's say within our home, or a decision around, hey, are we going to move or not? I don't. Let's just use that as an example. I'm. I have a tendency to lean more in that direction of wanting to lead us mm-hmm. in in that. And so if we're at an impasse. She's, she's going to be like, you know what, this is a little bit more of your area. Mm-hmm. And so here's my opinions, which we and, and it might come down and be like, I, I still might think this is best. And, and she might say, great, we'll do that. Uh, an example for her might be like in parenting. You know, she we've had this happen where she'll be like, hey, I, I, f- I see this in our kids. And, and, I, and I do feel like she is a little more sensitive than me and sees things a little bit better in our kids than I do. And so that there are times where she'll say something and, and, I, and I might even have a different feel like on the front end to which I'll express. But ultimately I'll be like, but if you think like this is what we should do and is best, then I'm like, I'm, I'm totally down to do that. Yeah, that makes sense. Does that, do you have examples, Lacey, of how it plays out for you all? If not, that's okay. I feel like those are, those are good. Those those are, are yeah, I feel like they're really good ones. Um, I mean, I think it comes down to also knowing each other well. And so I, 
I think an example would be on the way here this morning. Um, <laughs> because like our house is kind of an upheaval, like we actually might move soon. Mm-hmm. And so when things are like up in the air, like we're on the way um, to church and John's like, you know, I was thinking like maybe we should just like sell both of our cars, get like one car we can like really count on, then one like way like just kind of an old right. beater car. And um and I was like, okay, and just started asking some questions. And I was like, you just need to recognize that whenever things are up in the air, you want to throw everything up in the air. Mm. And so, like, I'm like, let's burn it down and wipe it clean. Right. Yeah. Like this. yeah. <laughs> and so, anyway, that would be an example of like, he was kind of like thinking one direction. And I'm like, okay, but let's just think about it a different way. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I also I I was going to say too and when you're talking about like the authority piece and what does this like actually look like? I think when we look at these clump of verses, um, you know, we have to like look at the whole of scripture mm-hmm. too. And so when it's talking about whenever it's like the Bible is written with a background of patriarchy. Yeah. And um but it's like when it's talking about authority, the first time it's like mentioned is like the fall. Mm. And so it's also like that can't necessarily be our reference. Like we're always, I feel like we're always searching for like yeah. that authority, but like that's the problem mm. kind of thing. And so I don't know. I feel like we've just had to, over the years, we just balance out. And I think we have, we have been fortunate in just the way that we are wired Mm -hmm. that some of those things, like he's referencing, like the financial piece, like Mm -hmm. I just don't care. And I don't like desire to like make the giant financial decision. I want to be a part of it. But, um, so anyway, for us personally, a lot of those things have just naturally aligned with our like giftings and what we are passionate about, I guess. Yeah. So how does this sort of idea of submission, like we can see where this plays into um, marriage, right? How does the, how do, what do we learn from this if we're people who maybe are not married or, um, you know, are in roommate situations or parent, you know, like adult children of parents or um, if, you know, Jenny mentioned, it was funny, Jenny was like, it was weird to, it was such a good sermon, but it was weird because literally every the people that were sitting at my left and right were both in same sex relationships. <laughs> so they were like, try, you could tell they were trying to figure out what am I drawing from this? Like mm-hmm. again, yeah. Roommate situations, like different types of maybe non um, sort of quote unquote traditional marriage um, scenarios. What can we pull from this? It seems like it has wide application beyond just husband and wife. Well, it does. I mean like, the the verse before he gets into husband and wife in marriage, yeah. he's talking about mutual submission to one another. And so, and even prior to that, you know, what he's talking about, the first 21 verses are really about all of our relationships. And, and so even the mutual submission to one another, it is, uh, relationally, that is all of our friendships, our roommates are, you know, it's, it's all of our relationships. So mutual submission is a reality, you know, in our relationships. And so even like you look at our staff, it's like, Hey, we are all followers of Christ here. Mm -hmm. And so we have to have a, um, part of our culture has to be one of mutual submission, regardless of people's roles and how we look at one another and how we are trying to help one another and love one another and respect and honor one another in the process. Yeah, he took mine. Uh, um, <laughs> but truly, because I think um, a good example is how we function as a team. So um, 
I lead the discipleship department. There are three of us that work together. And yeah, I'm the one in charge of, you know, running that. Um, but we are gifted differently. And so um, we're going to defer to each other all the time because we know each other and we trust each other and we love each other and we have like this common mission. Um, and so I think that's a big piece is, you know, when you're submitting to each other, do you have a relationship where there's like trust and like a commitment and a mission that you're focused on? And so I even I think of that when I think about my groupings of friends mm-hmm. and um, and how any one of us would be willing to submit to the other person. And I think, you know, we talk about submission, too. It's like if you're if you're fighting that, if you're fighting or like. I don't want to submit whoever you are, male, female, and friend relationships, whatever. I think that's really where you have to start of like, why? Yeah. And the why might be that this is a really unhealthy relationship or there might be something horribly wrong or it could be like just an internal thing. Is it like that you need power or pride or I don't know. There's just, there's something off on some level. And I also want to like highlight too that, there are people that would disagree theologically mm-hmm. around this, you yeah. know, when it comes to like headship and, and yeah. submission, there are people that do handle it in a healthy way theologically on the other side, because there are some scripture passages you have to wrestle with in Titus and first Corinthians and in Timothy as well. And some of those passages are actually pretty hard to like mm-hmm. wrestle through. And, um, and so, uh, there, there is a, now I don't personally agree, mm-hmm. you know, but like, when someone I have heard like folks and that have come from the standpoint of saying that like, Hey, headship and this whole idea of submission, even for a man, it's not ever about authority. That's about functionality mm-hmm. and, and roles. And that, uh, even if, uh, even if someone sees this as like a role that like, Hey, the man has this specific role in a home to protect and provide. And let's just say that that's the reality that they're, they cannot get around the fact that, the scripture also points that this deep love, this this creating space for women to flourish, for all of her giftings to come through. So like the woman should should feel that. Like mm-hmm. she should almost feel that the guy doesn't think that headship is functionality or that it's role based. Like that's how extreme Paul's language is. Yeah. And so when we get into trouble with this passage, again, this is this is why I don't think it actually there's too much too many other scripture passages that couldn't go along that make me feel like that's not what it's pointing towards. But but even those that do, there's you see how easily it can get into like uh misogyny and patriarchy right. and everything so quickly. Yeah. Um so And I think that's where the debate comes in is you know, we don't have so for those who aren't like hip to the theological language, complementarian is um equal leadership between men and women. No. No, egalitarian. Egalitarian. Sorry, yes. see, I don't. Yeah. Know I was gonna. <laughs> Trick question. Up. It's the same thing with subjective and objective. I always mix them up. <laughs> yeah. um, so egalitarian is equal mm-hmm. leadership between men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, complementarian is um, what you just described. So yes. uh, the man, functionality, gender roles right, are there. Yeah, men have headship. Um, and uh, so if we ever use those two terms, even though I screwed them up at first, egalitarian, equal, complementarian. Um, there's functionality um, headship there. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the argument is, because I also have known people who have done it really well, uh, the the complementarian mm-hmm. thing. Um, we used to go to a complementarian church, and like there was a l- lot of good stuff. Um, but then it kind of becomes a thing of like, 
how quickly does that turn, I guess, is what we're all sort of struggling with. Is it's like if a, if a really good complementarian couple um, are sort of, you know, quote unquote, leading a church or whatever and preaching it, how quickly does it accidentally kind of like turn from complementarian to um, to patriarchy? Yeah. And then on the flip side, I'm sure they would ask, well, how does this not become anarchy? <laughs> like, how do you guys how does this not just become like everybody's doing their own thing all the time? Typically, um, it's I would say typically people's argument from the complementarian side would be like, how 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 can you ignore these scriptures? Right. Like that's where they that's where they would come from yeah. is like that standpoint. They're not even necessarily arguing that all hell's going to break loose mm-hmm. per se. Mm-hmm. They're most of the time they're arguing like, why are you ignoring the realities of what the scripture points to? Because of the functionality of men since creation. Yeah. You know, and and my reply is always like, well, I just I view those scriptures differently yeah. because of other, you know, contextual clues. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so. It's funny, Lacey, something I would ask you, you've talked a little bit about on the podcast um, where you've experienced a miss on this in like the wider church culture. So you guys go to a com- a conference and you're very much treated like the assistant or whatever. Um, and those are in egalitarian circles that sometimes happens. At times. Yeah. 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 They're like, we are not sure. It's probably a mixed bag. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's a mixed bag. Yeah. What do you think leads in your assessment, because I know you won't be too harsh, uh, like to those misses, like in the, you know, maybe outside of our church or, you know, in the larger sort of church culture, how do people miss this kind of thing that we're talking about here, that it's like mutual submission, that it's, I don't know, where have you seen that miss and what, like, what do you think about it? So like in the larger church setting versus like family stuff. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think a big one is just that people haven't seen it Mm. done well because, again, it's throughout, I don't know, all of human history. It's been the backdrop of patriarchy and just male, you know, dominance, I guess, Mm -hmm. and um, in so many settings, including the church one. And so um, I think I I do believe that a lot can change when – um, men see women leading okay. and like see real giftings and leadership. I think a lot of perspective can change for men and women um, when it's seen. And so, you know, we are seeing a little bit more of that happening, but it also, you know, things change when a woman comes into the room Yeah, and um, it just the, the dynamics can shift. And, you know, I think that's also why, Paul is talking a lot to the men in scripture because he's addressing the people that have the power Mm -hmm. and because the people that have the power have to be the ones that to lay it down. And so, um, I don't know if there's a miss because there is maybe something lost when you share, um, share the spotlight or stage or whatever it is, um, kind of thing. Yeah. Or there can sometimes be, you know, you can feel it like if you're so like if I've been in small group environments, for instance, like I won't share as much if there's a woman. Mm, okay. Um, Like in the group, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, unless I unless we're like with our close friends right. where, you know, like if we were if like we were hanging out with you and Jenny, I mm-hmm. wouldn't care. Yeah. You know, but like if I'm in, in some spaces where we've been in yeah. where there's been men and women in a context of some of these conferences you're talking about, yeah. I'll share some stuff, but it won't be the same as I would if it was all dudes. Mm. So that that sort of tension you think sometimes drives people toward just kind of like 
picking a headship thing and going with it because they don't want to hold the tension of like, yeah, sometimes it's uncomfortable I think to it be can. a mixed yeah. company. Yeah. yeah, I think there can be an assumption too of the path towards um, leadership. Okay, and so and I have done that too. Um, you know, I have felt uh, in in this role over the years, I have felt like I'm behind in some way because mm. there was a season where I was at home with kids. And um, I had told this to Nicole, who's a teaching pastor here and has been on this podcast. And um, so I was like sharing some stuff with her a couple years ago. And she like it was great because she immediately called me out mm. and was like, nope, you need to stop. Don't like diminish the path that you have been on in leadership um, just because, you know, you weren't, you know, 10 years ago reading all the books that 45 year old white men wrote. Um, You're not behind. Um, It's just the path has looked a little bit different. And so, you know, if I'm needing to hear that um, and I'm the one like in it, then, you know, other people um, are going to assume different things about experience and path. And, um, you know, women have not experienced the same network. as men have. So I think, I mean, there's a lot of big, big holes there, but I think all those pieces contribute to it just there being misses, like you said. Yeah. And it makes me wonder if some of that is like the self-referential culture that church has, be, especially evangelical church has become like, well, you're a good pastor because you read books about pastoring from other pastors. But right. it's like, what makes you a good pastor and a lot of the times is like even we've talked about like your experience outside of pastoring mm-hmm. or like, yeah, totally. you know, so the idea that w- let's say you were home with the kids for three years or five years or whatever, you were learning a lot about pastoring. You just weren't learning it from pastoring. But, you know, it's right. like you were getting real life experience. Um, it's kind of like, it always reminds me of like the karate kid. Like at one point in the movie, he's like, you're just trying to trick me into washing all your cars and sanding your <laughs> right. deck and painting your fence. And then he shows him, no, I've been teaching you how to fight. Yeah. No, you that's just a don't, super good example. Don't realize it, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, but I don't, I don't know that a lot of the time, especially the evangelical church, but probably another, you know, stems of the church. We don't value, we don't always value that. Right. It's really more about like how many conferences you've been to, who did you study under, what seminary did you go to and how many you know, whatever, pick your favorite, Andy Stanley or whoever, how many books have you read and how many, you know, yeah. instead of valuing the like organic real life leadership experience of working in the home or working somewhere else, you know, yeah. doing something else. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think that's important for people to hear, especially yeah. for women is like, yeah, you're not behind. You're probably neck and neck or even ahead. You just have to learn that like painting the fence was also learning to block a punch. You yeah, know? <laughs> you just for sure recontextualize it. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting. So it kind of felt a little bit, John, like not like you were pulling your punches, but you know, when you're preaching in front of 500 people, you're like trying to get the most mm-hmm. um, message across to the most amount of people. Yeah, if you were going to go more hardcore on men, <laughs> <laughs> which this is a safe place to get to to be, yeah. is there something that you would want to be more like? Hey, I'm going to challenge. I want to challenge people to do this more directly or with more nuance. Yeah. Were you in the second service or first? I was in the first one. Maybe you went harder. He went harder. I did. I did. You always do. I know. I was a little more aggressive in the second one. I, I, um, I would say this. I, I think if you're a follower of Christ, it's unacceptable not to actually take in what Paul is saying here. Hmm. Like, and I think too often what happens is men get into this, like, well, I'm not that emotional or I'm not that, I'm not into that as much, or I'm not. And you kind of make all these lazy, lame excuses, um, for why you're ignoring the call in your life that is like to follow Christ and women suffer because of that. And so, um, I think 
I'm I'm tired, honestly, of like how low of a bar men have for their own spiritual lives. Yeah. And and it's like it it's it should not be acceptable. Yeah. And I think for too long we've just and some of that is and you know, listen, I sometimes I think when people are like, Oh, the patriarchy sometimes like, well, not necessarily. However, this would be an example of how the patriarchal element that has been in church has lowered the bar for men so greatly and women have had to suffer because of it. And so I just, you know, when it comes to like learning about your emotional health, you should be the first in line as a man because you're the furthest behind Mm. um, typically. Yeah. So, cause like, listen, I, I'm not, and that's not banging on our fathers cause like they did not get it from their fathers. So they're coming from zero or one, you know what I mean? So um, I'm just saying like, now we know, and like in, and if we want to be humble and we want to be vulnerable type of men, and if we want to be people that are following Christ, then we need to be first in line and learn about emotional health, first in line to learn what it means, uh, uh, how to handle lust, first in line to put in boundaries in our lives, you know, relationally. And so I just, you know, we're, I think it still holds true. Uh, one of the guys uh, who interned with us, Brian, was was talking to me after the services, uh, in between services, and um and. And he was just asking me some questions about what I was studying around it. And I, and I said, Brian, isn't it crazy that this whole narrative, I mean, Paul wrote this 2000 years ago mm-hmm. and it still totally applies. Yeah. Like, you know, and I'm like, so this has been the narrative for men for so long. So we need to like stop accepting the realities of this and actually do something about it. And that's why I think when Paul like makes the, and uh, when he has one passage where he talks about, I want to see men with their hands raised, yeah. you know, and, and holy worship. I, there's something to what Paul's saying that is still so relevant today that it's like when, when God actually grips the heart of a man and it like, it does change like, a whole section of a community that is like dormant. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I think it kind of, I think hierarchy of any type really avails people of their responsibility. Like it hierarchy creates like oppression in a lot of ways, but also when we're talking about patriarchy, it really has put men in a lazy position of like, yeah, yeah. well already assumed. Right. Like, well, yeah, it's the, like if you know, well, the Kings like that. So I don't have to be. That, so on the same level, it creates subserv- you know, servitude for those underneath the king, but it also is sort of a schluffing of agency because it's just like he makes those decisions so I don't, I don't yeah. have to. And so I think patriarchy has actually put men in a position where it's like, well, what, you expect me to be like Pastor So-and-so? Or like, no, he's like that so that mm-hmm. I don't have to yeah. be. It's like, no, everyone has to be. <laughs> well, it's like what John Maxwell you know, talks about in his leadership books. He's yeah. like, because you're describing positional leadership, which is level one. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that's all it is like it's level one leadership you actually aren't even like that good of a leader at all yeah and so but it's made men like men have had access to every senior leadership position within the church they've been all the lead pastors making decisions even though women have been running the freaking church for you know forever yeah. and it's like it's and again it's not all men there's some great men out there all yeah. right so don't mishear what i'm saying it's just you guys are great <laughs> it's just like, Strong disagree, <laughs> <laughs> but there is that reality, right? So, so we're seeing when I when I brought up in the sermon that like right now in education, like in college right now, it's sixty two percent women. Yeah, and the gap is widening. Well, why is that? Because men have gotten lazy. Like, yeah. they're lazy. Yeah, you know, senior leadership roles. Why are they going more to women? Um, well, now they're going more to women. One, because people are saying that like, women should lead. Yeah. Um, but two, there's also a reality that there's just a lot of crappy male leaders out there. Yeah. And they don't deserve to be in the positions that they're in, that they got in because they're just men. Yeah. 
And I wonder too, if like men are just as like, again, we're going hard on men, but like, I wonder if in general, generalizing men are just as like sort of, um, unmotivated as they've always been. I think we tend to get into the sort of, which I like, I, I liked certain parts of that boys adrift book, but we get into some of the like, Oh, they're just like playing video games and looking at porn all the mm-hmm. time. I wonder though, if part of it is like men have kind of always been like this a little bit, but women just didn't have the chance to, to like step in and just mm-hmm. be like, you're doing a bad job. Let me do it. Yeah. Whereas now corporately, you know, in business and government, now that women have that chance where it's exposing some you're of like, like, whoa, you're really good at that. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. good at this. And also like, yeah, I was just kind of sitting around playing Call of Duty until my buddy called me. and was like, hey, there's a position open, you know. <laughs> right. Um, and now that's not the thing because a woman took that spot. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's I just feel like I, there's a I've noticed it lately because I have seen um, a couple men in our church um, be the opposite. But they've shown um, I think there's a lack of like hunger to mm. like grow mm. and and that's a difference that I see because again there have been a couple men recently where there has they've just been sponges for like I want to learn I want to grow like hey what are you reading lately and um and like asking me all these questions and it's so refreshing but it's so refreshing because it's been so rare yeah. um and so I don't know I that would be one of my hopes is like from this sermon is that men would gain like a hunger um, to grow and like just be intentional with that kind of stuff. Not because their wives or the women around them kind of push them to, but because mm-hmm. they just genuinely want to follow Jesus. Yeah. One of the, um, one thing that I think would be interesting to see 10 years from now or 20 years from now will be what, what are some of the trends that end up happening with women? You know, like, because, you know, like right now, like abuse is going up in women, like women abusing people, you know, and like alcoholism is going up and some things are going up. Uh, Porn use is going up in women. Like some of like really bad behaviors that have always been associated with men Mm -hmm. are now starting to like go up with women. And so it'd be like fascinating to see what happens with some of this stuff. It's not shocking because I say it all the time. We are living in the Hunger Games. (laughs) That's true. And spoiler alert, watch the last movie, (laughs) That's true. I know. That's so true, but maybe powers the problem. Maybe power, yeah, but could no, be. but there is like yeah. I, that's that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. there's there's a piece to this that you know you start seeing some trends start happening. And you're like, man, yeah, it's the whole power and authority thing, and not and not like really taking it in the right way. Um, I was also going to say too, like with um, when I was like preaching the sermon, I was like, man, I I know that there's going to be some women out there in particular being like, but what if my husband isn't interested? Yeah. You know, and like, what if like you're and I'm I agree with you, Wags. But now what? Yeah, yeah you described the ideal. Yeah. Yes. But. Yeah. Which, and I think that can work both ways, by the way. Y- yes. Like there's definitely there, there could be a man listening. That's just no like, doubt. I'm all no doubt. I'm submitting a lot and she has a lot of control. Yes. I think that that is statistically mm-hmm. way less likely. <laughs> yeah. But the power dynamic thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. What do we say to the person who's like, I'm on board for this, but my partner's not. Yeah. That's a hard. It's yeah. hard. It's like uh, um, because you you know you you can't submit as I said earlier you can't submit to anything that isn't of Christ right mm-hmm. and so you can't go along with things that just are not bringing people to Jesus or your family to Jesus or your marriage to Jesus um, that's a hard like you got to draw hard lines there and boundaries there yet at the same time like Lacey always says this that like women need to keep soft hearts mm-hmm. you know and and to be able to see like you got to create some space for the man to be able to grow you know and so. Um, it's, it's hard though. It's yeah. really hard because we've sat with people where, you know, again, typically it is the woman being like, 
my desire is for him to want to grow and to want to like chase after Jesus. And because I know that's when I've seen him at his best. Right. And he just has zero interest. What do I do? Yeah. You know, like that's a familiar conversation. Yeah. I think there can be a lot of, you know, there are of course a lot of different scenarios and um, situations that can be that, but you know, there are some people that I'm even thinking of right now where like their husband just isn't a Christian and they've met Jesus and are following him. Um, and then there are some like guys that are just a little lost and their like wives are like just really hoping to bring them back kind of thing. Um, but then also there might be some people that are just in a season of rebellion. Mm -hmm. And so again, I think each kind of category lends itself to a different, just kind of approach even, um, but yeah, what I have, I have some things written down, but what are some of the, do you want to say practical stuff of, well, I, I would say on the front end, like whether it's the man or the woman in this, you know, on the front end, you have, this is like your season to double down on all the things of Christ, hmm. like, you know, and how you lead in those areas, how you are gracious, how you are forgiving, how you are kind, um, like all the fruit of the spirit, um, need to be coming out of you and and so your disciplines of what you're doing in prayer and meditation your um your study of scripture your engagement with the people around you in community finding some folks you can be truly vulnerable with um to begin to open up some conversations um that are like incredibly helpful in that um also realize that you know even just our calling in seasons like this in first corinthians 7 um it, it talks about how like even if some of the stuff like bad stuff is happening that we as believers are called to follow Christ. Yeah. You know, like, and so, um, we don't respond with bitterness. We don't respond with, you know, trying to like build a compile a list, you know, all those things. We, we respond the way that Christ has taught us to respond. Yeah. He went down some of my list actually. Hmm. Um, but some, some practical things I think too, in addition to that, cause I think, um, Prayer is a huge one. Um, John said, you know, focus on your disciplines in, in this season of time, and prayer is going to be a key one that is um, will help to keep your soft, your heart soft, um, because it's hard it's hard to grow bitter at someone that you are actively praying for God's like fullness and goodness to um, be seen in their life. And um, I think just keeping conversations going is going to be key. Like we know communication is important in any relationship. Um, but I think in a season where maybe you guys are on two different, in two different places in your faith and what it looks like to follow Jesus, still having um, ways to talk about things that matter and being able to ask good questions that go beyond just surface level. Um, and you're going to be able to judge, you know, where kind of your spouse is at with that. But um, you also want to be the person that is a safe place for them to figure things out with. Um, and then the other thing I would say is encouraging, if it's your husband, um, to have a community. That's, so you're not the only person because um, of so many people that we have met with that are in this situation, the wife does not want to feel like she is nagging him to grow in his faith and she doesn't want to be the only voice that's asking questions and all of that. And so I would encourage, um, women who are in this position, but also men who might be, um, to encourage your spouse to like have good community and other voices that are asking those questions, um, and to be supportive of that and not, you know, I know 
I've also heard from a lot of men where um, it just can be a hard balance of like you want to be a good dad, you want to be a good husband, you want to provide like there's you want to go to the gym like there's there's a lot of stuff and so um, and so I think men it is easier for men to sacrifice friendships and community um, whereas women maybe have that as a higher priority that maybe they'll let go of some other things first. Um, and then I think you need people that you can um, like you have to build your village as well because it can be a really lonely place, I think, um, for people whose spouses are just not you're not really in the same place in your faith and not growing in the same way. And so um, you need to not stop growing. And so you need people that you can grow with and that can um, just support you and all of those ways that you need support. So building out that village and um, is a really big piece. I don't know, Matt. Yeah, I would I would reiterate the number one thing because it can just feel so overwhelming when you and your partner are not in the same place spiritually. What's one thing I can do? I think communication, what you mm. said. Commu- learning to communicate is key. Even mm. if you, I mean, even if you're on totally different pages, an analogy I use with couples a lot of the time is like one of the great, I think, myths that we all buy into with marriage is that when you get married, you're suddenly on the same boat. Mm. But you can never really walk a mile in someone else's shoes. I really, I know that's kind of like an old, you know, colloquialism, but like I really believe that you can know someone better than anyone in the whole world, but you don't know what it is to be in that person's body or mind for a day. So an analogy I use is like you're on two separate boats that are traveling together. When the storm gets really bad and you can't see the other boat anymore, it's really important that the radio works. Like if you can Mm -hmm. still communicate with that other person, even if they're in a totally different, you know, latitude than you are, then it's much more likely that you'll end up at the same destination eventually. And that can be hard because you, especially with faith stuff, like there's a salvation aspect. It just feels like a lot of pressure. But like if you can continue to communicate through that storm or through that sort of we, we, just can't even see each other's boats right now it's going to be better Mm -hmm. it's going to be like more so even than if things were great (laughs) right yeah because there are people who theologically believe the same thing and can't communicate and they're not doing any better they just live parallel lives right they just exactly yeah they're not yeah so i think that's my big thing is like communication and also understanding when it comes to the faith stuff a lot of us you know, there's power in the name of Jesus. We believe that. But a lot of us were also very much raised with like, unless they say the prayer or unless mm-hmm. they say these specific words, then emotional health is Christ's influence in somebody's life. Like if they're just not there theologically, if they grew up with a lot of church hurt or whatever, but they are continuing to grow and to be emotionally healthy and you're faithful and continue to do those things they are going to like start asking the bigger questions and you're going to be there with, you know, some very good thoughts. Um, so I think that's, that's another thing is just, even if it doesn't look like them saying the things that you were taught were the right things to say, if they are involved in their emotional health and involved in their spiritual and emotional growth, that's count that as a win and keep, you know, keep that going. Um, as always, we, aren't saying like if it's an abuse situation or abandonment no. or like those are different conversations entirely. Yeah. yeah. We're just talking about not being on the same page. Yes, yeah. Exactly. And I think too, one thing for um, the spouses that are like actively growing and following Jesus to make sure is in check um, is what are your expectations and just making sure that they're like, 
actually appropriate expectations. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes um, there have been different women that have like kind of expected like, OK, we're going to like wake up and like do devotions together every single morning. And we're going to do, you know, like you might have a list of how you grow in your faith and you assume that you have to do that together or at the same pace. But um, but each person is wired really differently and your spouse might connect with God in really different ways. And so you being like a support and encourager of them discovering that um, is huge. But um, just making sure that you're not putting like pressure or weird expectations on your spouse too, I think would be helpful. Yeah. Cover, covet not thy neighbor's wife is not just a sexual thing. Like don't covet the relationship somebody else has. That's just not like if you're comparing yourselves to if you're listening to Lacey and John talk right now or you or you're around whoever, don't compare yourself because it's like that's God literally is like that's not going to work. It's a commandment. <laughs> like right. it's not going to work if you do that. It's not yeah. this yeah, is your you, relationship. You can get overconfident or you can actually like not embrace where you're at. Totally. You know, through that. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you all so much um, for, well, John had to be here. Thank you, Lacey, for coming <laughs> no to our uh, to our show. Um, and thanks to everyone out there for listening. If you have questions, quips, comments, or quotes, you can email them to staycurious at hillcityrva.com. Um, rate and review the show and share it um, if you get a second so that other people can get in on the conversation. And until next time, remember to stay curious. curious. curious.